go. Thank you, Ricky. And, uh, this uh, February 8, uh, 2023 meeting of Sunnyvale's Parks and Recreation Commission is called to order at 7.02 p.m. Before we begin, I'd like to remind our commissioners of some procedural items for this virtual meeting. Commissioners and participants should remain muted when not speaking. If you have a question or comment, please use the Zoom's raise hand feature on your screen. You'll be called upon to speak one at a time in the order of hand raising. A random order voice vote will be administered by the city staff for each agenda item which requires one. This Parks and Recreation Commission meeting of the Sunnyvale's Parks and Recreation Commission will take place by teleconference as allowed by Government Code Subdivision 54953E and Resolution 1089-21, reaffirmed January 10, 2023. Members of the public may provide audio comment by connecting to the teleconference meeting online or by telephone. Use the raise hand feature to request to speak or star nine on a telephone. Teleconference meeting details are available on the Parks and Recreation Commission meeting agenda. Comments on matters not on the agenda must be submitted prior to the time the chair calls for the item for oral communications. Comments on agenda items must be submitted prior to the time the chair closes the public hearing on the agenda item. Speakers are requested to keep their comments to a maximum of three minutes and time limits will be enforced. Guidelines are posted on the Parks and Recreation Commission meeting agenda. Automatically generated captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the live transcript button. City staff, uh, maybe please have a roll call. Chair Geary? Present. Looks like Vice Chair Dib is not here yet. Uh, Commissioner Bramon? Commissioner Ramon, can you hear us? Maybe experiencing some technical difficulties. Uh, I'll reach out to him on the side. Uh, Commissioner Casting? Um, present. Present, thank you. Uh, the Commissioner uh, Mason is absent. Um, and then we have uh, Councilmember Mountain present as well. So we have three present. Oh, there you are, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, can you affirm that you are on the roll call? Muted, uh, Commissioner Bremont. You're still muted. Okay, no. I'm looking forward to seeing all you guys in person. <laughs> Uh, so currently we have uh, three commissioners present with two absent. Thank you. Hello. Daniel Bremont present. Can you hear me? Thank you very much, Daniel. So it, it takes 30 minutes to, to start my laptop. So I start my uh, desktop, but he has no, no, no microphone. So now I am back on, the, on my laptop. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. This um, stuff. Agenda item. Please hold any questions or public comment until the end of a presentation. We have item uh, on the agenda item 23-0226, Park Dedication Fund Review. Superintendent Stark will present. Yes, uh, I do have a presentation. Good evening, Chair Geary, Commissioners. Uh, Jim Stark, 
Park Superintendent. And tonight we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, maybe dull to some, but very exciting to me. It's the Park Dedication Fund. Um, so once a year, I like to bring this up. I think most of you have heard this by now, but it's something I like to re revisit annually because it is so important to the, su the success of our program and, and the health and well-being of our city. Uh, next slide, please, Ricky. So parks make life better, we know that. Um, and the Park Dedication Fund, next slide, please. Um, you know, the majority of the park projects that we do are funded via the Park Dedication Fund, whether that's new park construction, acquisition of parkland, um, you know, Corn Palace, for example, uh, or refurbishing uh, some of the older parks, right? Like we're in the, or like we did Fair Oaks not too long ago. So that's why it's significant uh, to the city. Uh, that, that's how we fund all these big projects. You know, and they range anywhere from, you know, $50,000, $100,000 up to $16 million. So, you know, we're talking about some significant dollar amounts here. So where this came from, state law allows communities to require developers to pay into a fund when they're converting commercial real estate to residential housing. Um, the reason we do that is, or the state law allows for that is as more residents come into the city, and I think Sunnyvale is growing about 1% a year, which 10 years, 10%, you know, you're talking about real numbers. So we want to, we don't want to lose our open space numbers or have them be diluted by additional population. So as commercial real estate is converted to residential, we tell the developers, hey, you either need to donate us some land or in lieu of that, you can pay us some money. So uh, we tend to get a combination of both uh, or some hybrid designs, but that's the general gist of the idea is if, hey, you're going to bring another thousand residents into the city, uh, you need to provide for some open space and recreational opportunities to keep up with that. So the funds are put into a specific account called the Park Dedication Fund, just like we have the Golf and Tennis Fund and a lot of other funds, really to ensure that it's used for its, its proper purpose. Next slide, Ricky. So the Quimby Act is what authorizes this action. So 1975 is when the state passed the Quimby Act that authorized cities to, to enact ordinances for developers to pay for parkland improvements. Uh, the city council and its wisdom, gosh, I want to say maybe a little over 10 years ago, um, wrote this into, uh, or cauterized it, I'll say, for our city, for Sunnyvale. And we just started seeing the uh, the benefit of that with Fair Oaks Park. I want to say Fair Oaks Park renovation was one of the first major renovations we did with park dedication fund money. And I want to say, gosh, that was a $14, 15000000 million project uh, and a huge improvement. So um, again, it's designed to allow the, the recreational opportunities to grow in line with the increase in population. So currently the target we've set uh, and we try to maintain is that for every thousand residents, we have five acres of open space. And we typically are right around that number. Next slide. Uh, so, and typically when we get the in lieu fees, um, it's because they don't want to donate the land. You know, land, you know, the valuation's all over the place. You hear between five and $15 million per acre, depending on where you're at. Um, so it's significant. So a lot of times it's better for, for, for developers just to pay us the in lieu fee rather than donate the land. A lot of times we'll get these hybrids and Moekma Park is a great example of that. So that uh, land was owned by the Irvine company. It was leased by AMD. So AMD uh, leased it from Irvine Company. It was their old, uh, uh, the old White House, they would call it. It was their headquarters. And they, as AMD's presence shrunk in our area, they no longer needed it, uh, ended the lease. 
And then the Irvine took that and decided they were going to convert it to residential housing, which they did. Uh, and as part of that project, that, like I said, it was a hybrid. So they did donate some land, but they also, their in fee came in the form of cash, but also improvements to the park. So Mwekma Park was more or less was, was funded by the Irvine, uh, Irvine company. So it's a great example of how it can be in lieu money, it can be land dedication, or it can be a combination of both. Um, and we've been playing with these hybrids for the last couple of years, uh, you know, trying to trying to work with developers to get a win-win situation. I think we do a pretty good job out of it. Next slide. So currently the land rate, uh, the value of the land for our purposes for determining the rate we charge is $160 per square foot. I don't know if that's similar to London or New York, but it can't be far off uh, talking about serious money. And to give you an idea of what that adds up to, uh, based on current project revenues for 23 and 24, uh, the revenue is supposed to be, or for those two fiscal years, uh, expect to be 25 million and 16 million um, for a total of $85 million. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, but right now, what we kind of have in the till is about $85 million to do the work with. What's interesting, it's not, it's not necessarily the cash that, that, that is the hurdle to get the work done. It's, it's bandwidth of staff. You know, we have so many engineers, we have so many project managers and so many inspectors. And if you look around the city, you can tell there's a whole lot of projects going on. So it's not a bad place to be in. You know, we do have the funding, which is the critical part. We have a super team in public works uh, of engineers and staff over there that assist us with these projects. They really drive the projects. We assist in you know, we help out a lot of, you know, as far as the design component or specking the project, those kind of things. But the engineering group of Public Works really drives the projects. They're the one that hire the consultants, that work with the consultants. Um, we assist in reviewing plans, reviewing specifications, those kind of things. So we really work hand in glove with those engineers. Um, but we're fortunate to have great staff over there. We just need a few more of them to get these things going a little faster. Next slide. All right, a couple of little rules we have to play by. Um, we must use the money within five years of being collected, and we do a great job of that. So in other words, you can't bank the money and make money off interest for an indefinite amount of time, or just kind of hold that money on the side in case you might need to use it for something later. So they do expect you to use it in a, in a, in a fairly reasonable amount of time. The other thing that's interesting is they expect the money to be used more or less in the vicinity of where the, the, uh, the park dedication came from. So in other words, if you had a developer down in the southeast corner of the city over, say, by Cupertino Los Gatos, and they did a big residential unit and they gave us $20 million, we can't take that money to the northeast side of town, say, in the Lakewood neighborhood or Baylands, and make the improvements there. So they kind of want to honor the fact that one part of the town is getting you know, hit with an increase in population. So they want the improvements to the land or additional park land that also happen in that part of the city. Uh, another thing that's critical to understand is it cannot be used for operational items, which it would be great from where I come from if we could, because that's what we fight all the time is we could always use a couple more staff members, but the law is very clear. It's really meant just for the acquisition of parkland or for the refurbishment or renovation of existing parkland. Uh, and I'll just point out, this is Brawley Park. If you've not been to Brawley Park, shame on you. Uh, this was another park done with, with park dedication fund money, and it is really neat. It's a small park. And as I think we all know, most of our parks have a theme and this had a, a Japanese theme. So if you kind of look at the slide, what we did is we took an old playground with sand and old swing sets and we kind of recreated a Mount Fuji play mound. So that's what you see up there. Thanks Ricky. 
So that's a Mount Fuji, which provides great play opportunities for kids. Um, you know, they can run up it, they can fall down it and not get hurt. You know, and that's important for kids to take risks, um, you know, to learn how to play, learn how to take risks, learn what to do and what not to do, but in a, in a safe environment. Um, and of course, you know, all our playgrounds are built uh, and inspected by certified playground safety inspectors. And we have a lot of metrics uh, that we use for that. Um, but it's a cool theme. I, I really, if you haven't been out there, go check it out. It's really neat. Um, there's also kind of a place or a climbing structure that looks like a dragon. Uh, we have a toy gate entrance to the park. So I thought we really knocked it out of the, out of the ballpark um, with the theme on this one. And just a side note with spring on the way, uh, we have a partnership with a city in Japan, with Azuka Japan, they're our sister city. Um, and we do work with them every year. And as part of our relationship, they will donate uh, anywhere from five to 15 cherry trees, right? As a symbol of friendship. And we love that. So what we kind of did, we planted some up around City Hall. Um, I know there's construction up there, but we have some up around City Hall. But we also made a really concerted effort to plant them at Raleigh Park. So I don't know what we got. We got to have a few dozen of them out there now. But with spring about to be here, uh, those are gonna, the cherry trees that we have out there are going to start blooming probably February, probably March sometime. Um, and actually, Azuka typically does a little event out there, you know, to honor the relationship, et cetera. But if you've ever seen pictures of the cherry tree blossoms in uh, Washington, D.C., or if you've seen them in, in Japan, it is really gorgeous. So we're going to keep planting trees out there. So before long, and we're not too far away, we're going to have our own amazing cherry blossom display out of Raleigh Park, which really enhances that Japanese theme. So got off on a tangent there, but I, I get excited about this stuff. All right. Next slide, please. All right, so some of our current projects we have going. Um, as we've been talking about, Lakewood Park Renovation, we've done the first outreach there. Uh, I want to say the survey, I'm not sure if the electronic survey is out yet or not, but we'll have more meetings uh, as we uh, kind of dial in the design there. Um, you know, the Lakewood Park, gosh, I want to say that's around $16 million project. Um, so again, you know, a lot of money we're talking about. We also have the community center uh, renovation that we're doing as well. Again, that's, I want to say, around $12 or $13 million project. Don't quote me, but it's in that neighborhood. So, again, we're talking about serious money that had we not had the Quimby Act, uh, you know, put into effect in Sunnyvale, we wouldn't be doing these projects. And then another one is resilient surfacing. So if anyone's out in the Seven Seas neighborhood at Seven Seas Park, um, the resilient surfacing didn't last quite as long as we would think. It's not a bad thing. That means the park's getting used. So that's an example of how we can do some renovation on a small scale. Uh, again, using park dedication fund money. So again, no, no taxpayer money involved in that. Um, you know, we also do a lot of small projects. So we will do like a barbecue refurbishment over the winter time. Uh, we do a lot of LED light conversions. You know, these are things that, that my projects teams will do in house just little by little, but we're able again, to charge to the park dedication fund. Uh, again, not hitting taxpayer dollars um, and make some great improvements to the parks. Next slide. All right, that's it. But before I wrap it up, I just want to give people a little bit of an idea as I talk about this. I don't think I sent, it, sent out the spreadsheet, but some of the major renovations that are going to be coming online in the next few years. Um, well, a small one, and we kind of have this going regularly, is tennis court and basketball court reconstruction. So we're looking at spending around $600,000 on that this year. You know, we have a bunch of tennis courts and a bunch of heavily used basketball courts. So we try to keep those in great shape. Um, but so we stay on top of that stuff. Um, as I mentioned, community center grounds renovation, about 12 million. 
Uh, one that's going to be very exciting is going to be the Las Palmas Park renovation. And that's scheduled to go in design in fiscal year 24, 25, and then construction following that. That's going to be a six and a half million dollar renovation. And I don't know, but I got a feeling the pickleball players may come out for that one. Uh, I, I got a feeling. Um, and then after that in 24, 25, around the same time as the Sarah Park renovation, that's going to be another dynamite one. Sarah Park is a gem uh, uh, for the city, and I think we can do a lot there. So again, Sarah's seven million dollars. And then, you know, right after that, we do Panama for four million. And then right after that is San Antonio in fiscal year 26, 27, 28. Uh, we'll do Panama for 3.6 million. So I just want to give you an idea of, of how we use that money, um, you know, the dollar amounts we're talking of, and then kind of the things that are coming down the road. So uh, again, you know, when I first started with the city, we weren't doing capital projects like this. You know, we were kind of duct, you know, duct taping things together, but making repairs, making repairs, making repairs. But over the last you know, seven years or so, we have really taken off of these large capital projects, all due to the park dedication fund. So that's why I like to bring it up every year. I think it's important to talk about. Um, and again, you know, you're talking about, I think over the 20 year plan, our revenue to that fund is 240, $241 million. Um, so, you know, like I said, without it, we would not be doing $200 million worth of park renovations or improvements. So, um, that, that's kind of my short presentation on it. I think most of you have kind of heard it before. So with that, I'm happy to open up to questions or comments. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the um, update, uh, Superintendent Stark. Are there any questions from commissioners? Please use your raise hand zoom feature. Commissioner Kesting. Yeah, I uh, I want to say thank you so much, uh, Commissioner, um, excuse me, uh, Stark, uh, Jim. I, I really appreciate hearing you talk about our city's parks. There's a level of enthusiasm and enjoyment that really shines through when you're talking about it. Um, it's a passion. I, I It's something that doesn't escape me when you're talking about the, your work. Uh, I, I do have some questions about the Parks Development Fund. If you have just a moment, um, it would be great to hear uh, your um, take on that. You said that it's for the development of new parks, uh, for the maintenance of new parks, and the refurbishment of new parks, and also the acquisition of park land. That's correct? Not the maintenance part. So we can't use it for operational items. So it's acquisition of new land or improvements to existing or building a new park. Not That's what I meant. That's what I meant when okay. I said maintenance, the, the improvements. Uh, and that the money is coming from uh, real estate that changes hands, changes use from commercial into into uh, residential. Correct. Right. So, uh, you know, if you have uh, a, a series of townhouses that flip and go to another series of townhouses, you're not having money that goes into uh, goes into the parks development fund. Or if you have the creation of a brand new uh, research and development lab uh, uh, on the north side of town, you uh, you wouldn't get funding for the parks development fund for that. Yeah, typically it's only when you bring more more people into the city. Okay, and um, this last week, uh, well, no, on the twenty uh, on the twenty fourth on January twenty fourth, the, the city council was working on the nexus uh, a study, and they were talking about uh, raising rates for um, research and design uh, labs that are being produced, and the money for those for those fees, I think it went up to ten bucks, eleven bucks, and twenty dollars. Uh, per square foot, the money for that goes to the housing development fund, right? I see Russ, uh, 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 
Councilman my, my, my question, said, I guess, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in the development. My, my question is, my question is, if 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 funds that come from the housing development fund make use of development land from commercial property, is the parks development fund getting money from that? Like, let's say the housing, a non-for-profit that does housing decides they want to build a hundred new homes on what used to be the AMD complex, right? Does money for that development go into the parks development fund? Yeah, I'm not familiar with the housing fund, so I, I, I hesitate to speak on it here. Okay. Um, I, I'm very familiar with the park dedication fund, but as far as that kind of development, that's kind of not cool. in my purview. I'm happy to get back to you on it. It would be great to hear more about that. Uh, sure. And let's see. Uh, and, and to clarify, when you say, uh, you know, the, the Mwekma Park, uh, that was used uh, as cash and land that came from um, the developer over there. And that, that produced what was, you know, uh, 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 it produced the, the park that's that's there, that's for public use. Um, that projects like that, projects like the Washington uh, pool development, projects like the, the, the Lakewood development that we're working on right now, that's being funded entirely out of the parks development fund. Park dedication fund, correct. The parks dedication fund. So when we have new parks that come in, well, that's not taxpayer dollar. That's not me or anybody else in this community that's paying sales taxes, that's paying real estate taxes. When we're developing new parks in this town, we're paying for it because of the parks development fund, which is which is which is funded because of development from commercial real estate into residential real estate. That's correct. And something you might find interesting if you want to get a better feel for it is you can go through the uh, you can go to the city website and they'll have the uh, the parks the parks. I mean the be a projects budget, uh, and you can go through the, that that budget, and they'll have every project in there. And part of that language, it'll tell you how it's funded, so you can Certainly. see what's park dedication funded, what's general funded, and then what the other funds. Certainly, it would be great to get a link to that. Uh, you know, I, I'm constantly looking for stuff like that on a regular basis. And I I just want to clarify. You know, previously uh, we talked about um, Moekma Park and its naming rights, uh, whether or not it was going to be AMD Park or Redwoods Park. And it ended up being settled on Moekma. Uh, I I would just like to state that it, it's important that when we are naming our or out of uh, the parks development fund and that are going uh, to real estate uh, uh, for the development of parks, that we make sure that those parks that are publicly uh, available, that are public land, are being uh, named properly for being public land and not not being privatized, reprivatized again. So that's the end of my questions. Thank you so much, Jim. I do appreciate yeah, the presentation. Sure. And just on the naming part, we have a policy, you know, that we, we adhere to. So we're fortunate to have some guidance there. And it's a great document to provide guidance on how we do name the park. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that, too. I just I just wanted to make a point about how we don't want to privatize public land that previously was private. Thank you, sir. Any other commissioner questions? Okay, I had a question. Um, uh, so these, um, so we are still going by the 20-year um, park uh, master plan, right? On in terms of which parks get uh, priority, um, and uh, maybe I think it, uh, maybe in one of the next few meetings we can probably bring that up and, and just uh, just as a refresher to what. Um, uh, what those the sequences are, I mean, I, or I can pull that as well. But if you can send us the link, that'd be great. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, the other uh, question was, 
around. Uh, you mentioned these are um, for development within the vicinity of the uh, vicinity of the the uh, where the other major uh, uh, residential developments are. How is that being tracked? Um, uh, that that because like for example, certain parks and uh, particularly on the south side, there are very few developments compared to some uh, places. I mean, in the uh, uh, near the downtown versus uh, uh, some of the other parts of the city. So how is that being tracked? Yeah, good question. You know, we work hand in glove with the finance department, just like we work with engineering when developing the plans. We work with finance on the finance on the on the funding component. So as part of the vetting process for the capital projects, finance takes a look at that and makes sure that we're following the law as it relates to the Quimby Act and all the in all the ways that we're supposed to. So that review is done uh, on finance with all of our projects. So wouldn't uh, there be more uh, because of more development that's happening uh, the center of the city? Uh, would that there be more funds available to the the parkland um, disproportionately to other parts of the uh, city? Potentially, yeah. You know, I mean, you have to kind of get out your ruler and see how far five miles is. You know, it's pretty far when you think about it. So I'd kind of have to take a look and reach, but but that makes sense, right? That, that if you had more residential in one area, it would be more focused. Right. Correct. Now, one thing you could consider in this where it gets a little nuanced is, you know, we, we define our parks in three categories as far as size. So we have our mini parks, which are like your Greenwood Manors, things like that. You have your neighborhood parks like Molecma, uh, you know, middle mid-size, and then you have community parks. So those are ones that are designed for the entire community to utilize, Lakewood, uh, Ortega, and Fair Oaks, for example. So you could make the case that, you know, even though we did this development in the southeast corner, we're going to use some of that money in Lakewood because that park was, was designed for the entire city to use. Right, that's where you'll have your youth soccer games or your youth baseball games. People will travel up there, so it can get a bit nuanced. But I, I, I see your point. I think it's a good one. Thank you. Are there any other commissioner questions? Thank you for clarifying this. My pleasure, Commissioner Dead. Uh, Chair Dead. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, yes. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I, I missed a little bit of what Commissioner Kessing said, but um, my concern just is is how I think the, the I'll state the concern then the question. The concern is as life becomes more dense, you know, as the city becomes more urban and more dense. I have a feeling that. The most attractive option for developers is going to be the money and not the land. And soon we could be left with five times the population and the same the same land. Um, and so then the question is, uh, how do how do we make sure that the first of all, why is the money even an option instead of the land? Number one and number two, um, how uh, how can we increase the price? as the alternative to land? Yeah, good question. I'm not sure if I have good answers for you, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure, you know, but I get your concern because at some point, you know, if you just end up with, with getting cash and the, the value of the land is much greater than that, it can put you in a pinch. But I think when planning sets the rate, the square foot rate of what people have to play to pay, they take into consideration land values. 
So I think, you know, if you look, you know, we've got what, 80 million in there right now, we could buy some land if we wanted to. But a lot of the times what we have found is, you know, developers, they like parks, right? You know, those, those townhouses at Wekma are not cheap. And part of the allure is that park that's right there. So developers understand if they want to charge high rents and they want to charge a lot of money for these things, people expect amenities. Um, you know, and I want to say that studios over there are renting for over four grand a month. So, you know, people are expecting something more. So I, I don't have a great answer for you. I can talk to our planning department and see how they, they think on that. But my get, what I think is, is they look at that per foot value that they place on the developers and the Luffy, and they take into consideration general land values. But I'll get more information on that and get back to you. Okay, yeah, thank you, Tim. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I can see that being some incentive. I, I just remember learning the saying that land uh, they stopped making land a long time ago. And so, uh, you know, as you draw towards infinity, you're going to run out of land before you run out of money, um, which is my concern. But your answer is very helpful. Thank you. Sure. And I'll say one more thing. Uh, you know, we're developing this Moffat Park specific plan for the north side of town. Um, you know, part of that development, we're talking potentially, uh, you know, like 200 acres of open space if you include stuff out on the bay, but 100 acres of parkland, more or less. So, you know, it, it seems to work itself out, but I'll, I'll defer to council member Melton. He seems to have some more thoughts on this. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Council member Melton. Yeah, thank you, Chair Geary. This, this is a great conversation on a great topic. Uh, and I appreciate um, Commissioner Kesting and Vice Chair Dibb and Chair Geary, um, your comments and engagement on this topic with Superintendent Stark, I'll, I'll give you one of my favorite stories about the park dedication uh, fund is at the Corn Palace Park. And Jim, I, I remember you talked about this at the last meeting about how that's getting ramped up and getting to go. So the developer um, had to and chose to dedicate land. Um, they didn't have to dedicate land. They chose to dedicate land and they dedicated about an acre, a little more or a little less. And then the city of Sunnyvale kicked it around. And, and I can't recall if the Parks and Rec Commission uh, uh, was asked to opine on it all, but the thought was we really need two acres to have a viable park here. So the dedication was one acre. So the city of Sunnyvale said to ourselves, let's talk to the developer and see if we can buy a second acre there. And we did. And that second acre we bought with cash, if I recall correctly, from the park dedication fund. So that's an example of awesomeness. And I heard the vice chair talk about the value of land and the value of cash, and I totally get it. There's one where we combined uh, an acre of land plus an acre's worth of cash two acres for the city of Sunnyvale and um, Jim Stark and the entire team along with the Parks and Rec Commission are just gonna hammer out a beautiful park at the Corn Palace. So thank you for letting me share that story, Chair. Thank you, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, actually, I think there was, it was about five plus million in, if I remember right, I mean, for the additional one, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Kesting. Yeah, I have a follow up question, if you don't mind. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Jim, that there's a sunrise uh, 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 stipulation on the Parks Development Fund resources that are given per development uh, and that it's five years. Uh, and you also uh, do you have a, a, 
any details on the amount of money that has been lost uh, because of the Sunrise option. Uh, and in the event that you do have losses because of the Sunrise option, are there any recommendations that you have on how to avoid uh, that, that, uh, that, um, that loss? Yeah, you know, I'll check with our finance department. I would be shocked if we left any money on the table like that. Uh, we spend a bunch of dough. I mean, you know, we've got two, we've got two $16 million projects, you know, in the works right now between Lakewood and the community center, or 12 and 16. But um, I don't know. I will ask that question and get back to you, but I would be shocked if we return any of that money. I would certainly appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I, it seems like, you know, with, with the stay at home, uh, uh, um, order being lifted, uh, I mean, hopefully there would be more development for research and design uh, labs. Uh, but I think that even with that, there's still going to be people working from home two days, three days a week. Uh, I could see there being, you know, less development for uh, uh, for commercial uh, property uh, and and the, the, the turn from commercial to residential uh, uh, as the demand for housing increases. Uh, so finding out ways to maximize the amount of money that goes into the parks development fund would be fantastic. Thank you, sir. Thank you. One, one last question uh, about uh, the policy around uh, maintenance, right, versus uh, improvements. So uh, is there, um, I, I hopefully, I mean, I assume it's there, but I, I might have asked this question during one of the last year's um, review of this. Uh, is, is there a policy around what is considered maintenance versus what is, uh, because like, for example, the LED replacement, is it considered a, a maintenance versus or an improvement? Um, those. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, which replacement did you say? The, the maintenance versus improvement, enhancement, right? Uh, is there a policy around that? Uh, like, for example, a, a simple thing is an LED replacement. Yeah, exactly. So you look, you know, it's multiple things. It's how long is that capital item going to last and what is the dollar amount? And I think we typically use, you know, some some numbers. You know, I don't want to say it's as low as ten grand, but it's it's something that's going to be, you know, significant. I can find out what the exact numbers are, but I want to say in general something's going to be at least fifty thousand dollars, and we'll have a life expectancy of at least five years. It's probably more than that, but it, it it's kind of fits the general description of capital projects. So yeah, when we do LED light conversions, we do it as a whole project. So we'll do, say for example, you know, Sarah Park or somewhere like that. You know, it'll end up being you know, $25,000, something like that. Now we have a really sharp projects team on my staff. So they'll, we'll do that in-house and save a bunch of money. Um, but yeah, it kind of fits the same general description as most other capital projects. Okay. Thank you. And uh, one, um, maybe not related, uh, I don't know, how, uh, it's, it's the north side uh, along the Baylands. There's plenty of county land uh, um, uh, that, that goes along the stretch of, uh, 237, uh, some are uh, uh, fall under uh, directly under the county. Uh, some has there been any discussion uh, with the the county uh, to take over maintenance of additional land, county land uh, along the on the Baylands area? Uh, because uh, I think there's a lot more recovered land as well right now uh, along that stretch. Yeah, there's there a lot been of any discussion? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of little pockets of land over there, and there's a lot of different ownership over there. So the most obvious one is uh, Twin Creek Sports Complex, right? It's just adjacent to Bayland Park. And oddly enough, you know, 
we don't really haven't talked to them much. They came to us about seven years to see if we'd be interested in taking over the operation of it and that kind of thing. But I think that the guy was just looking to make a, a, a sweetheart deal for himself and we weren't really very attracted to it. Um, but in general, you know, we do have the bait trail out there. So that's a big chunk of it that we do take advantage of that was refurbished by Google about four years ago. Um, but other than that, you know, we have the, the, we call it Recycle Hill. You know, we have the, the old landfill where they've capped that. There's some opportunities there, but that's land that we own. And I think after that, you start getting into, you know, kind of some riparian areas, you know, low-lying wetlands and things like that that aren't ideal for development. And then you kind of slide right into Moffett Field. So there's a bunch of areas out there, but there's not a lot of opportunities that haven't already been kind of taken advantage of. The Bay Trail being the big one. And again, if you haven't been to the Bay Trail, go out there, it's gorgeous. Uh, so on that, uh, so sorry, yeah, I yeah. keep asking, uh, coming back on follow-up questions. So there is, uh, there are some state grants available as well, I assume around park improvements, right? Um, uh, I mean, I assume City also actively looks at those uh, uh, state grants as well. Periodically, we yeah, you know, we do. Um, grants are tricky. Uh, they're great when you can take advantage of them, but there's typically a lot of stipulations on what you have to do, reporting that you have to do. You know, if I had a grant writer, we'd be doing a lot more than we do. You know, for us, it's it's a bit of a bandwidth issue. Um, we just don't have staff to dedicate to that amount of time. And the second part of that is because, you know, because we're not a low income community, I'll say, because we're not, you know, we don't fit a lot of the criteria where they're looking to make those improvements, it's kind of difficult for us to access a lot of those grants. We do, we check them out every time that they put stuff out. We're looking at some for uh, our urban forest right now, um, because there's a lot of money available from Cal Fire, oddly enough. Uh, that we could potentially access to help help our urban canopy, whether it's doing an inventory, uh, updating some systems, planting trees, uh, buying equipment. So we're looking a little bit harder there. What we found in the past is it's difficult for us to, uh, that's what I'm looking for, you know, to be in a position to take the grants because we're not a, you know, we're not a, a community in need. You know, our, we, we keep our things pretty nice and people make a decent income around here. So we run into a lot of challenges when we get into the grants. The other thing on the grants, and I wish we'd looked at one a, a couple of years ago that looked like we were gonna apply, but then on the back end, there was a tremendous amount of reporting. And then there were programs you had to enact, like not you could, but if we give you this money, at some point you must do X, Y, and Z. So again, we don't wanna get pigeonholed into things that we may not necessarily agree with. So you know, each grant can be very individual, we do look at them. Um, you know, if we had more bandwidth staff-wise to really dig into it, um, we certainly would. Um, but, you know, grants are, they're complicated and they're very time-consuming. And, uh, you know, I've got two admin staff. You know, that's what I've got. And they're busy taking tree calls and doing purchase orders and making sure time, time cards are right. So we do look at them and we do uh, give it a shot every now and then. It's just, you know, we're not... You know, we're not a community in, in desperate need, you know, so that makes it challenging. Yeah, I understand. Of course, uh, so so uh, the, do we uh, look at, I mean, it looks like county parks, uh, uh, the Santa County parks, I mean, it looks like um, takes advantage of uh, several of them, particularly around uh, the the state um, uh, grant program for like uh, the heritage preservation, for example. Um, the OHP or is what they call it, I think, um, where 
uh, and and there is some dedicated uh, management and analyst. I mean, uh, in the county, uh, obviously it's much richer. I mean, much more bigger budget. Uh, they have bigger staff. Uh, so, uh, so is there something that the city could take advantage of working with them to get those um, uh, work with them to get some take advantage of some of those grants? Yeah, I mean, I I, I could certainly reach out to my my. Uh my partner over in the, in the county and, and check in with them on that. I mean, I think the only place where we really cross over is Baylands Park, but it's certainly something I can check in with them on. So I'll add that to my list. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, with that, if there are no other commissioner questions, um, are there any public comments on this agenda item? So I just want to do a point of clarification uh, for any comments from the public uh, in this portion who have to do with the park dedication fund. If it's for any topics unrelated to the agendized item, uh, it'll go in the next section, which is oral communications. Thank you very much. So there's no thank, questions thank, at this time. Yeah, thank you, Claire, Ricky, for clarifying that. Yeah, so if there are no uh, questions on this particular agenda item, we'll uh, close this uh, public comment for this agenda item. and. We'll now uh, open for, for oral communications. Uh, reminder to the public, uh, please use uh, raise uh, your digital hand or uh, dial star nine on a telephone if you wish to address the commission on a topic that's not on tonight's agenda. City staff will ask you to unmute your microphone when it's your turn to address the commission. City staff, do we have any members of the public wishing to speak under oral communications? Yes, we do. Eric? You are good to go. You have three minutes. Great. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, so my name is Eric Kroc, and I am uh, would like to ask the commission to not convert the rights of way in Cherry Chase um, in, uh, into a dog park. Um, I've lived in this neighborhood for over 20 years, and there is a misconception by the people who, the small number of people who are pushing this idea that the rights of way are unused. Nothing could be further from the truth. Generations of children have used these rights of way as safe, natural play spaces. Um, the children love them because they get a natural world play experience that's complementary to the manicured uh, parks that we are so fortunate to have the Parks and Recreation Commission maintaining for us. The parents like it because they know where their children are and it's a safe enclosed location. Um, and uh, if the commission were to change these uh, rights away from their current natural form into a dog park, the Sunnyvale children would be lo losing an important natural outdoor play experience opportunity we're facing an obesity epidemic. Um, the outdoor natural play areas are one way of combating that. Uh, studies have shown that outdoor play time is also uh, helpful for the mental health of children and adolescents, and that these benefits continue into adulthood. The PG&E right-of-way between uh, Lois Avenue and Ramona Avenue is to the best of my knowledge, the largest remaining open natural uh, space in the Cherry Chase neighborhood. 
many of the other rights of way were long since enclosed by their neighbors with city permission and are no longer accessible to surrounding children to use as a play space. Um, so it's been already commented on this meeting that they aren't making any more land and that's true. We already have many dog parks accessible in Sunnyvale and Mountain View and Cupertino to dog owners. Um, and one more would serve little benefit. Conversely, if we um, transform this large remaining natural uh, space from its current state into a dog park, we will lose this area as a outdoor play space uh, for children forever. So I invite each of the members to come visit the right of way to see how children play in it um, and make an informed decision. Thank you. Thank you. We have any, Ricky, you're muted. Sorry about that. Thank you, Eric. Uh, next, we have Michael. You are good to go. Hi, thank you. Uh, first, I wanted to thank Mr. Koch for attending uh, this uh, this session with the Parks and Recreation uh, meeting. Uh, I wanted to let him know that uh, so far, that's all that's been happening is discussing ranking a study to investigate the use of PG&E land. Uh, no park is actually being built. Nothing is being done uh, without talking to the neighborhood. Uh, also, I want to be clear, Mr. Koch's objections appear to be to any use of the public land or of a public use of the PG&E's land, not just a park, dog park. Uh, as to a dog park, uh, people in this neighborhood are looking for a place to walk to and not to drive across town to. So uh, dog parks in Cupertino are really not of, of much, much help in that problem. Um, we're aware that uh, you have interpreted the right-of-way easement as permission to treat the PG&E lot as a play area for your children. Basically, that it's a, a chain-link fence that goes all the way around the lot, and as a right-of-way easement, you have a hole in the fence that kids basically sneak through into the PG&E lot. Um, whether that's something that PG&E is, is happy with or, or not, I, I couldn't say. I know that there are liability issues involving your kids playing uh, in a lot currently owned by PG&E. Um, all the, P the uh, dog park owners uh, or people are looking for is to formalize some sort of agreement with PG&E that doesn't have liability issues and to allow the rest of us in the community to have access to this uh, lot and not basically to have to crawl through a, a hole in your fence to get there. Um, I, I'd also like to remind everyone that we started this process in order to not conflict with kids that are doing sporting events at the Cherry Chase Elementary School. Uh, so, you know, I'm, we were only trying to do this in order to make sure that we were out of the way of children already. Uh, I'm not sure what more uh, we, can, we can do to, to, to stay out of the way with, with our dogs other than to even to investigate having a dog park. Anyway, thank you. Um, thank you uh, for, for, for coming at least expressing yourself at, at this meeting. I, I realize I don't necessarily agree with you on, on this particular point, um, but I'm glad that at least you're part of the conversation. Thank you. Next we have Annie, you are good to go. Hi, good evening. Thanks for having me. 
Um, I am a longtime resident of Cherry Chase, as well as a dog owner, and have raised two kids in the neighborhood. I stand with Eric Kroc um, regarding the dog park in our neighborhood. Um, it is very, very rare in this time of age and for our kids to have, and even for residents, just to have an open space in general um, with El Camino being completely built out. Um, just having the land, whether it's for kids to play or just having it left empty is, you know, having this natural space available in our neighborhood is priceless, I think. So we don't need another dog park. I've been a dog owner for the 15 years I've lived in the neighborhood. We, we can walk our dogs around the neighborhood. If we really want to, we can walk them over to Las Palmas Park, um, to Cherry Chase. There are plenty of places to walk the dog. And I don't think taking the space away um, from our neighborhood is beneficial to anyone. And it is true. It's, um, you know, kids having a natural place to play is is priceless in this day and age. Um, my kids are grown now. I have no conflict or no, I guess, say in this matter regarding kids playing, but having the space and as an, a dog owner, um, I don't see any benefit having a dog park in our neighborhood. I have plenty of places to take my dogs. So increasing the traffic um, and people we don't know coming into the neighborhood at this juncture, I don't think um, it adds any value. So thank you for inviting me to this conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Annie. Just a, a clarification um, uh, for the general public, uh, free to share your public comment, uh, but the, the uh, Parks and Recreation Commission already viewed all of the study issues um, uh, as of last month and uh, ranked it, um, and forwarded that to the council. And the council is gonna be discussing that um, next week during its uh, study issue workshop, uh, which is where uh, council is gonna rank all the study issues across all departments um, uh, in, the, in the city. And um, so some of these are uh, have moved uh, from the Parks Commission to the City Council's uh, uh, table. Yeah, just wanted to clarify that to some of the speakers. Uh, next, we have Russ. If you still like to talk, um, you are good to go. Russ? Unmute. Hello, am I here? Yes. Okay, I'm on, thank you. Um, I have two really quick comments. Um, yeah, my kids, I'm, I live in the Cherry Chase neighborhood. My kids also grew up here. I was totally unaware that that space was open for kids to play and it sure doesn't look like it. It's a fenced off area, totally undeveloped, natural space, I guess you could call it that, but my kids never went through the fence to play there. So uh, that's news to me. Be nice if it was, you know, a park. The, the other thing I, I would say is that space is very large and um, it's not clear to me why it would all be a dog park. It would be nice if it was a park with, a, a, you know, off-leash area in it. Um, you know, I don't think these things are exclusive. And um, that's all I have to say. Thank you.
Linda, you are good to go. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. And thank you for taking this topic up. I have to agree with the previous speaker that having a chain link fence around an area has always meant to me and to my family that that is an area that is off limits. It's nice that Mr. Kroc has felt that his kids could go through the fence and play there, but I also see that as a huge safety issue. If something were to happen, there is no safe and easy access to get in to those kids that are playing on off-limits land. I think that saying that it is a play space for the children of the neighborhood falls under the category, quite honestly, of being disingenuous, other than if he's got an opening in his personal fence to that land, then he's got a nice big backyard that the rest of us don't have access to. What I would love to see happen with this is that if that land is going to be used by anyone, that it be transformed into some sort of multi-use area. Why not have a couple of bocce courts? Yes, we could have a small portion of it fenced off for the dogs to play while their owners are doing something else there. Have a uh, butterfly garden for the children to be learning from. There's a lot of opportunities that we could have there. And if it does lighten up the use of the elementary school uh, by off-leash dogs in an unauthorized manner, all the better. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you very much for listening to all of us. Thank you. Scott? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, um, I'm also on the side of wanting a dog park in the area. Um, I've lived in Sunnyvale for most of my life, and I have walking distance access to that area, and it would be very useful. I concur that the fenced-off area looks foreboding, it doesn't look like to me a safe place for kids at all. And it does look like an area that is really designed to say, hey, stay out. Um, and it also seems to me like this is somebody's personal um, space for them. Um, as to the comments of what you could use this space for um, on top of uh, whether it be a dog park alone, well, certainly that's, I would be open-minded to all that. That's and, and I'm open-minded, of course, and of course, I think we should consider the um, consider the um, existing neighbors, you know, concerns about, you know, whatever the parking issues and so on. But bottom line is, um, I'm just calling in to lend my support to Michael and um, this project to try to get a dog park in this area. I really don't believe that there's nearly enough places to take a dog to that are safe that aren't in conflict with other other areas like um, the Cherry Chase School, um, which, you know, of course, their field isn't really intended for dogs, is it? Thank you so much for taking my time. Thank you. Chris, you're good to go? Mute. Yes, hi, this is Chris Strigat. I have been... Uh in Cherry Chase now for almost a quarter of a century. I have raised 
three kids at Cherry Chase Elementary School. And we need a dog park. We need a lot of other different parks for the kids and multi-use. There is actually several easements there, sections that are not being used. They could easily be uh, repurposed into a dog park, into a bocce ball court, into a butterfly garden, into whatever. They're just standing there unused. Um, thank you. Thank you. Next we have Weifei. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, thanks for allowing me to, uh, to express my opinions here. Um, um, this is my first time attending such meetings. Uh, I also want to say something regarding the, uh, the, 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 uh, the EPGME lots uh, between uh, Ramona and Lois Avenue. I have been in, living in Lois for the last uh, about six, uh, five years. Uh, I've seen kids go into the lot, uh, but at the same time, I do uh, see that the, the lot is uh, fenced and then it, it doesn't look like uh, we have public access to it. Uh, but no, but on top of that, I want to just say that uh, I don't think it's a, it's a very large yield that is uh, very sort of a convenient place for a off-leash dog park to be used as a full dog leash, uh, 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 to be used as a, as a, a the entire place to be used as a, a off-leash dog park just because uh, there, the, the 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 area is highly residential, and uh, there are surrounding houses, unlike other parks, who uh, by itself occupies much much bigger pieces of land. Um, uh, I do agree that it would be nice to develop this into a multi-use park that allow public access for children, for other people who for for elderly to walk into. Uh, but I would uh, I would I'll be fine if it's used as a sort of a, a mini dog park for walking your dog, but off leash at, at such a dense area, I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Liam, you're good to go. Can you hear us? Yes. Please do not turn the right-of-way into a dog park. The right-of-way is good for outdoor activities like soccer and running. It is also good for hide-and-seek. Exploring the right-of-way makes me happy because I can find new things like mushrooms and wood. I often want to go to the right-of-way because I want to use a Frisbee or some other outdoor things. I also like playing laser tag. I throw away plastic and glass bottles to clean up the right-of-way. I pick up old glass to make it cleaner. I would feel sad and angry if the right-of-way was turned into a dog park because then Dogs would be barking and I couldn't play there anymore. Thank you. Muted. You're muted, Ricky. 
I'm just going to review who has spoken already. Unfortunately, we are unable to let um, any uh, residents speak twice during the oral communications. Uh, so let me just review. Okay. Ryan, you're good to go. Hi, good evening. Thank you for taking this time to listen to me. I was born and raised right next to Cherry Chase, and I have grown up here. I have a dog in this area. There are plenty of places for children to play in the neighborhood. Near the proposed dog park, there is what I like to refer to colloquially as a mini park, uh, plenty of places for children to play. The dog park, proposed dog park site does not really seem inviting to children with its fences on all sides. I'm not really sure whose parents, uh, <coughs> excuse me, are letting them play in that type of area. So I would strongly urge the approval of a proposal of a dog park as Cherry Chase is not a good alternative if you want to let your large or medium breed dog run around, play off leash. There are more than enough areas. I'm always for more, but there are plenty of areas currently for children to run and play, but there are very few areas for dogs to run and play. So I just want uh, to urge my support of the proposed dog park. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to me tonight. Thank you. And then are there anyone left that would like to speak? Chris, you're good to go. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I, I just wanted to chime in. I, I've been in, I live on Ramona and I've been here for longer than I would like to know. Um, but I have a little bit of history. So at one point my brother worked for PG&E and PG&E and the city were trying to work out a deal to transfer the land to the city for use. Um, it all fell apart during the PG&E bankruptcy. Um, so it didn't happen and th there were plans. So I guess my recommendation is maybe if we can look back at what those plans were as well and maybe expand kind of the this look at maybe what the best land use is into beyond a dog park. Um, I agree, it's kind of wasted space. We do have issues with the Greenwood Manor Park um, with you know vandalism and vagrancy and garbage. homelessness garbage. And, dog and dog poop and crime and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, there's there's a lot of issues that that would go into like expanding um these PGE easements into parks. Um, I encourage this that we study them. Um, but I but there but there is a history here and I just wanted to bring that up to make sure that maybe we can go back and take some of those learnings and what the assessments were from and this was probably what 10, 15 years ago? At least. At least. Um, and, and not have to reinvent the wheel totally. So um, that that's my comment. Thank you very much. And that concludes all of the speakers. Thank you. Uh, th thank you, uh, Ricky, for co coordinating that. 
uh, council member. Uh, with that, I'll see seeing no more. I'll close the oral communications, but uh, council member Russ um, Melton had something to say about this. Yes, thank you, Chair Geary. Prakash, can you hear me? Yep, again. Great. Hey, I just wanted to say um, to everybody who's called in and is still on the line, first to introduce myself. My name is Russ Melton. I'm one of your seven elected Sunnyvale City Council members, and I serve as council liaison here to the Parks and Recreation Commission. Here in the city of Sunnyvale, we love, love, love public engagement folks being involved in policy making, what's going on in the city, what can we be doing better, um, what's going well. So thank you very much for calling in um, to the Parks and Recreation Commission meeting. A couple of thoughts. I will say I support what I heard staff say a couple of minutes ago. Ricky told us that everybody gets to speak once. That's a hallmark of effective public commentary. Everybody gets their three minutes um, and it's just one shot. So I wanted to say that I support staff in that. Um, folks may have heard Chair Geary mention that the next step for our study issue process, including the one regarding the PG&E easement, is next Thursday at City Council. It's going up for prime time and City Council will decide we're either gonna proceed with it, we're going to defer it and consider it next year or in a future year, or we're just gonna kill it outright. I have no opinion, I have no idea what's gonna happen next Thursday, but for folks interested in continuing their engagement on this topic, I have a recommendation which is to email the city council using this email address, it's council at sunnyvale.ca.gov. If you send an email to that email address, it automatically routes to all seven council members, all seven of us see it. And you can say whatever you want about this topic or any other topic for that matter going on in the city. But with the study issue, you can say you're for it, you're against it, whatever. And I know I read all of those emails and it plays a part in my decision-making process. So I would love to hear it from you. I know my colleagues would as well. And once again, that's next Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Uh, council will sit down all day and we're gonna sort out all of these incredible study issues in front of us. Chair Geary, thank you for just letting me step in for a few minutes to speak, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you for the clarification. I was about to get to that, I mean, I urge the, uh, the public to uh, uh, attend that uh, either in person or by sending a request by email to council. Uh, sharing your uh, opinion on that uh, particular uh, study issue proposal, uh, which the council will be ranking that day, unless you want to stay there all day uh, uh, from 8.30 a.m. and uh, and listen to uh, uh, other topics that council discusses that day, including the budget proposal, uh, you might, uh, the best would be to at least send an email to the city council on this topic. Thank you about that. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I mean, I rushed into the oral communication part, uh, forgot to thank uh, Superintendent Stark on the, the Park Dedication Fund, uh, the refresher, and it's very important that we, I mean, uh, that it takes time, you take time to uh, educate, I mean, the commission on that topic, really appreciate that. Uh, with that, we will move on to consent calendar. 
since we remain in a virtual setting, I will once again ask my colleagues to use the virtual raise hand feature to indicate their wish to speak. Uh, city staff, do we have any members of the public wishing to speak on the consent calendar item? None at this time. Okay, seeing none, uh, we'll close the public comment on that. I will now ask for a motion from my colleagues to approve the consent calendar. Uh, Commissioner Bremond, uh, um, I move to approve the consent calendar. Do we have a second? Okay, I second that. Uh, seeing none, so um, city staff, please conduct a random order voice vote. Vice Chair Dib? Yes. Chair Geary? Approved. Commissioner Bremond? Yes. Commissioner Testing? I'll approve it. Uh, the motion passes four with one absent. Thank you, Ricky. Um, that uh, move up to standing item consideration of potential study issues. Are there any new uh, study issues the commission would like to, uh, the staff to, has, has there been any, any uh, new uh, study issues proposed? None at this time. Okay, now we'll move on to non-agenda items and comments from commissioners. Uh, since we remain in the since we remain in a virtual setting, I will once again ask my colleagues to use the virtual raise hand feature to indicate they wish to speak. Do we have any non-agenda items or comments from commissioners? Commissioner Casting. Yes, uh, I um, I would like to just comment that it's really great to see so many members of the public come out tonight uh, to want to discuss what uh, we brought up last week in regards to the study issue for uh, putting a dog park at the um, at the Ramona Lois uh, area. I would just like to remind uh, everyone that this study issue is has has more room and more leverage than we think it does. Uh, it specifically calls out for um, hold on one second. I'm sorry. It specifically calls out for uh, studying whether what it would take to to make that space open to the public, uh, that PG&E land open to the public. And I think from the comments that I heard from the public today, there was a lot of options, a lot of desire to to talk about uh, free space that's open to the public to use. Uh, and I think that's consistent with the park's desire, the Park and Recs Commission's desire to to create more park space in uh, in the city of Sunnyvale. And this particular area runs Ramona Avenue to Lois Avenue. And there's another parcel that goes from Lois Avenue to Donna Avenue. And there's yet another parcel that goes from Donna Avenue to the halfway point of almost a Grape Avenue. We're talking about close to 100,000 square feet, two and a half acres that could be used for a lot of different things. And I think that the study issue will allow us to research a title report on that property uh, to, to give us details on what kind of easements actually exist uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to fight against, uh, you know, when I was a kid, one of my favorite times was going through holes and fences, right? The kind of adventures you'd find doing something like that. Uh, but I also think that there's something to be said for safety and security. Uh, and the idea that, that uh, you know, a couple of months ago, we passed ordinances to allow the parks commissioner, the parks uh, commissioner, uh, the parks uh, director to, to close off parks at night can solve a lot of the problems people might have about homelessness uh, in that particular area. Uh, so I, for one, definitely encourage the public to come out to uh, the meeting next week on the 16th, uh, starting at 8.30 a.m., or to at least email in. 
uh, and uh, keep open the options of how we can use that particular plot of land uh, for 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 park uh, um, in uh, in this community. Thank you so much, and uh, it's good to see everybody out there. Um, it's it definitely makes this meeting a lot more live and a lot more fun. Thank you, Commissioner Casting, on that. Yeah, there are. Uh, it's already uh, another um, um, uh, uh, study issue that was uh, also uh, ranked by the, account, uh, the commission, which uh, the council is going to be evaluating, um, uh, which is DPW twenty eleven, evaluating feasibility of dog off leash hours and and select animal parks. So, um, uh, so that is another um, uh, potential. Um, a study that can uh, look at the feasibility uh, across existing parks. Um, and uh, there's also uh, for looking at additional needs for facilities for parks. I mean, so, um, so please do, um, I urge the public to uh, do uh, uh, write to the council or talk to uh, the uh, study issue discussion meeting next week. Uh, do we have any other uh, non-agenda items or comments from commissioners? So I had uh, one. Um, I know we briefly discussed about uh, meeting uh, without violating the Brown Act, meeting um, uh, few of us I mean, uh, in uh, meeting in the parks to go over. Has there been, was there any, I, I've, I didn't follow up with the, the staff on that. So has there been any further uh, discussion on that? Commissioner Kesting. I've been, I've been inundated with work, man. It's been crazy over here. And I, I know when we spoke about this last, the idea was to create an, an agendized item for us to come up with new study issues. Uh, so, that I think that that needs to happen. If we learned anything from the meeting tonight, it's that when we hear what the public has to say and we come up with study issues for it, they show up in droves and they want to support it. So I, I think that if we can have a few moments to, to come up with new ideas, brainstorm new ideas and hear from the public what they might want to have, it would be helpful. So I'll, I'll reach back out to you, Ricky, uh, on how we can set that up and how we can make that happen. I definitely think we should agendize uh, uh, brainstorming issues for creating new study issues. It'd be great to see that happen. So, yeah, if, uh, we can take this um, in offline and continue that discussion about around uh, how we can do that, uh, working with uh, um, Damon and team on that. You had something to say, uh, Damon? No, I was just going to say that there were some emails going back and forth about meeting at um, one of the parks, but I don't know if if the time and date was nailed down. And again, um, you know, the initial concern over the, the, the fields and parks was raised by Commissioner Dibb. Um, and then I, I understand that a few other folks might be interested, but um, as those things come up, we'll have to try to uh, work with the various commissioners to ensure that there's no Brown Act violations and um, try to facilitate those types of meetings where we can, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or um, 
with less than a, a majority. And I see uh, Superintendent Stark has his hand up also. Yeah, because I know we do have some meetings coming up. Commissioner Dib and I are going to meet out and look at some of these athletic fields. And it'd be great if maybe one other person can join. What I would ask, though, is communicate through Ricky. He, he's a great liaison for us. He's obviously very well organized. But if you can communicate, you know, feel free to do me, Damon, and Ricky. But as long as you keep Ricky in the loop, um, I think we'll be in good shape as far as guidance. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we, are there any other comments, uh, non-agenda items or comments from commissioners? Seeing none. Um, city staff, do we have any non-agenda items or comments? Lieutenant Stark. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll just echo the sentiment on um, the study issue workshops coming up. It's a great opportunity, not only to get your thumb on the pulse of the city, see what's happening. It's really quite interesting, but there are, I, I think there might be more park study related study issues, parks related study issues in play this year. Um, since I can remember, I think we may have like seven or eight. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great day to check in, but again, uh, it, it's very, there's a lot of park stuff in there. So it's a good, good chance to catch up with things. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, if there are no other comments. Uh, move on to the standing item: uh, Parks and Recreation proposed uh, study issues. Commission proposed study issues for calendar year 2024. Commissioner, are there any new study issues you'd like to agendize for discussion at our next meeting or? We had this previous discussion, which is we'll have a brainstorming session before we want to do that. Is, um, but if there are any other issues already uh, that you would like to agendize for discussion. Okay, seeing none with that, um, I well, I'd, I'd like to thank everyone for your participation in tonight's meeting. This meeting is adjourned at 8.20 p.m. Thank Where you. you go, I thank can't you. wait to see you guys in person. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.